A reading from Genesis. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly from the heaven there came a sound like the rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The divided tongues of fire appeared among them, and the tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews among the, under every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this, their sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthenians, Medes, Edomites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Capricotia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belong to Syrian and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in their own language. We will hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, 
God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, Then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Philip said to Jesus, Show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. Philip, perhaps in that moment, was living into that cliche about seeing is believing, right? 
Show us. Show me. Let me see. Jesus' typical enigmatic answer, typical in the Gospel of John, because it seems as though Jesus hardly ever answers a question directly, unpacks for us the deeper things that are going on in him and in his relationship with God, his intimate relationship with God, and the promise of the Advocate, the coming Spirit. Now, truth be told, most of our society is very much like Philip. Seeing is believing. If I don't see it on TV or in my monitor or in my smartphone, it's not real. Seeing is believing. Today's readings take us into the mystery of the Spirit. And if you asked me even a year ago what I thought was meant by life in the Spirit and sort of more broadly spirituality, I might have stumbled a little bit because spirituality seems to us in our day and age this sort of nebulous thing that's out there or a little bit airy-fairy, perhaps. You know, we're in Northern California, you know. And I remember we were all talking a great deal when I first came here about the fact that so many people in Marin claim to be spiritual but not religious, which had as much to say about relationships with institutions in California as anything. Of course, in Marin, spirituality is almost a cottage industry, isn't it? A lot of people engage with it, including many of you, and this is not at all to to diss it. It's just to reflect on spirituality as somehow real in our midst. But there are many of us who say, well, yeah, that's all nice, but seeing is believing. Show me. Show me what this spirituality is all about. Today's reading from Genesis, we open with this very ancient story, which we can almost imagine being told around campfires by a Bedouin people thousands of years ago. It's a story of a nomadic people, probably herdsmen, probably itinerant, living out of tents, and deeply suspicious of cities. So what other story do you tell but the story of the city that failed, of course, and the Tower of Babel is perfect for that. But you also hear in this story the language of a people who are on the margins of a big, scary, wider world, people who are eking out a living and probably on occasion take their herds into places where they are viewed with more than suspicion and are chased away. People who, to all of the civilized folk around them, are smelly, dirty, and undesirable. 
But the story of Babel is also more profound even than that because it tells us the story in that seminal book of Genesis, the story of human hubris as it comes up and against the divine. And it is the story of the failing of human arrogance and the scattering of our lives in confusion and discord when we get engaged with all of our great ambitions and our great projects, namely when we engage in those without any reference to our creator. Luke, in a profound sense, in today's reading from Acts, begins to undo the whole Babel complex, if you will. And the key difference, of course, is that the mixture of languages in the book of Acts is not about confusing people, but bringing the human family back together. The arrival of the Spirit in the book of Acts begins to reunite the whole of the human family. And that is not our action, but the action of God. It's a little bit passe, but it gives you a bit of a picture. Luke is always thinking big and political. So in a way, the story from Acts is sort of like the first United Nations, right? The sort of bringing together of all of these peoples, Jews and proselytes. Proselytes were on the threshold of conversion into Judaism from across the diaspora, all around the Mediterranean, speaking their myriad languages and probably deeply embedded in their indigenous cultures. Suddenly they can hear and understand the good news, the coming of God. And in that sense, Luke is also telling us that in the gospel at its heart, we don't talk about spiritual and not religious, we talk about spiritual is religious, because it is about what religiosity means, and that is to relink or rebind the whole of the human family and all of us together with God in God's heart. John's depiction of the Spirit, on the other hand, is much more intimate, and it is always disclosed in these close encounters, if you will, between Jesus and his first followers. In fact, in another passage of John later on, in one of the resurrection stories, Jesus comes and appears amongst his followers, and he breathes on them. Now, if somebody tried to breathe on you today, I wouldn't blame you if you sort of ran screaming from the house, right? But that intimacy is very important to understand what Jesus is getting at in today's reading, where he is telegraphing to Philip, this is much more than seeing is believing. Much more than that. It is, in fact, that you are being given the breath of God. Because that is what the deep root of the word spirit means in our tradition. It's not airy-fairy. It is not out there somewhere. It is right here 
in your next breath. A practice that many of our sisters and brothers who who practice spirituality understand and engage in every time they sit down to meditate or contemplate or pray. And it's something that we do in our contemplative prayer group when we gather here on a monthly basis. We breathe recognizing that we are taking in and breathing out the breath of God. It's that breath that predates Babel. It comes up in that first verse of Scripture, the very beginning of Genesis, when it is the breath of God that moves over the waters of chaos and breathes the whole of creation, all of the universe, the whole cosmos, into being. Jesus is telling Philip and telling us that it is no longer about seeing is believing. That the Spirit of God has come so close to us that life itself is being given to us very much in our breath. And this is one of the deep themes of John's Gospel because John's Gospel takes us right into the core of our physical being and talks about touching, about eating and drinking, which we do at the table, and about our breathing, our most foundational spirituality. And so this day, we celebrate the arrival of that truth in our lives, and it is given to those first apostles and first followers of Jesus, just as it is given to us and passed on from generation to generation, to show that God is doing something new every moment in and through us. We are not a tradition that says seeing is believing. You might say we are a tradition that says breathing is believing a new beginning, a new way of being, a new life given so that all the world might live. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.